The theme, as you heard for this month, is intimacy. And it's hard to talk very long about intimacy with, without talking about, you guessed it, love. What is love? Dr. Michael McGee will be addressing that question directly in two weeks. Allison Ricker in one week will be noting how intimacy with others has something to do with what we see inside ourselves. These are two services not to be missed. So consider this something of an introduction to an ongoing theme, trying today to get at least a tentative handle on how love happens. All our words from loose using have lost their edge, said writer Ernest Hemingway. This is maybe nowhere more evident than in the ways we use the word love. We love our partner, our parent, our child, our friend, and we love football or a Snickers bar or Star Trek reruns. Really? Does love cover all of that? For a word that is used so widely in a whole host of circumstances, it is strange that people are very rarely asked to define it. We use it as if we know precisely what we mean, even though it begs for clarification. We use it in romance novels, and we use it in church services. We use it in calls to serve humanity, and we use it in vows of marriage. We use it in songs of every style until it becomes its own style, the love song. We speak of it philosophically and psychologically and historically and hysterically and sadly and madly and cynically and sentimentally and poetically and paradoxically. It occurs between lovers and between family members and between friends and between neighbors, between an individual and her country, between a group of fans and an individual, between God and humans, between humans and the natural world. Yet, how often do we stop to ask, what are we talking about when we talk about love? Now, that's worthy of a few sermons, right? For as much as we recognize the value of intimacy and affirm the power of love here, are we clear on what those words mean? Love. We are told in a current advertising campaign that is churning out a relentless series of commercials, love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Now that we've cleared that up, go in peace. (laughs) Mike McGee wrote in the description of his upcoming sermon, quote, love is one of the most misused and misunderstood words in the English language, unquote. If you needed any corroboration of that, there it is. Love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Forgive me if my first and only and overwhelming response is to scream at the TV, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> but I am hopelessly, helplessly interested in and fascinated by what popular culture has to say about meaningful topics. 
and more directly related to the focus of this sermon, I ran across this, which apparently comes from the final season of Game of Thrones, possibly from the final episode. A character named Jamie Lannister is telling his daughter, which is also his, well, I won't go into that, the rather twisted familial details here, because they don't matter so much to the sentiment, but it was an important enough scene, and apparently he said a version of this in more than one scene. These were important enough scenes that they are posted on YouTube, and the quote has become its own meme with pins and posters on Pinterest, and it is listed among the best quotes from the entire series. Jamie Lannister says, We don't choose whom we love. It's just, well, it's beyond our control. Now, there is that notion, isn't there, that love is something that sweeps over us, takes control of us, thwarts our will to do or choose otherwise. Elvis Presley. I can't help falling in love with you. Right? Roxy Music, love is the drug that I'm thinking of. Robert Palmer, you might as well face it, you're addicted to love. Love? Really? Now I know mostly this is referring to romance, the overwhelming nature of attraction and passion and sometimes obsession, but is that love? Certainly it can lead to love, at least those first two, attraction and passion. I wouldn't recommend obsession or addiction as a road to love. But yes, attraction and passion can lead to a loving relationship, but they don't necessarily lead there. There was some degree of disappointment expressed at a month of Sunday's meeting last week that we weren't talking more about sex this month as part of our engagement with intimacy. I get that. It's certainly not something we should shy away from, and sex can be a part of an intimate, loving relationship. However, it is no secret that sex can also be carried out with no link at all to intimacy or love. Some people say, along with Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? My point is, while I may not be able to choose who I am attracted to in a physical or romantic sense, love is ever and always a choice. Love is a choice, and it's not a once and for all choice, but something that we choose over and over and over again, even with the same person. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have to choose it over and over, and it takes practice, right? Part of the reason it takes practice is because much of what love calls for is counterintuitive. Love, we imagine, is about closeness. It is about drawing ever nearer to the beloved, which will fill our deepest needs. But Milos suggests that love, the love that heals our hearts from various ills without knowing it, that this sort of love is also about distance. Love means to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things. For you are only one thing 
among many. Love means to look at myself the way one looks at distant things. I may think that the closer I get, the better I can see, but that is only true up to a point, isn't it? After a certain point, as I come closer and closer to a painting, for instance, I can lose sight of the whole picture. Images become hopelessly abstracted from the whole. If I were to judge the entire work at this point, I would be at a serious disadvantage. I have to step back to regain perspective, to appreciate the whole, to appreciate the beauty and rightness of that one small place within the picture. And at that distance, I can see the personhood of other people. That they are not there for me, but with me. But I have to choose to take a step back when I may desire only to move closer. Marge Piercy describes this beautifully. Learning to love differently is hard. It hurts to thwart the reflexes of grab, of clutch, to love and let go again and again, to love consciously, conscientiously, concretely, constructively. That doesn't sound like something that sweeps over a person. That is not something over which we have no control. That is a choice, a conscious, conscientious, concrete, constructive choice. And learning to love differently, thwarting the reflexes, loving and letting go again and again, that takes practice. Just as I must choose to step back when I want to move closer, I must practice letting go when I want nothing more than to grab and hold more tightly. So here we are again. Everything is work, right? (laughs) Even the healing, hopeful, exhilarating, transformative power of love turns out to be a challenging, trying, difficult task. I almost added thankless task, but I don't believe that. I don't believe it's thankless. This is not about selfless sacrifice. It is not about martyrdom or masochism or suffering our way to perfection. It's hard, says Marge Piercy, to love with the hands wide open, love with the doors banging on their hinges, the cupboard unlocked, the wind roaring and whimpering in the rooms, rustling the sheets and snapping the blinds that thwack like rubber bands in an open palm. I can't do it, you say. It's killing me. But you thrive. You glow on the street like a neon raspberry. Don't you love that? (laughs) I thought it was a particularly good image for the Pride Festival celebration today. You glow on the street like a neon raspberry. You float and sail a helium balloon, bright bachelor's button blue and bobbing on the cold and hot winds of our breath. It is hard to become real. It is hard to love. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but because of it, we thrive and glow. As Maya Angelou wrote, 
wrote, while we see that love costs all we are and will ever be, we also come to realize that it is only love which sets us free. It was not only that the velveteen rabbit became real by being loved, but also that the boy became real through loving. And after a time, those run together through all the seasons and the reasons for loving, through all the doors banging and the wind rushing and the sheets rustling and the hands opening wide and letting go again and again and again. Loving and being loved run together like giving and receiving, like breathing back to our breathing in and out the cold and hot winds of our breath, not holding our breath thwarting the reflexes of grabbing and clutching, of holding out and holding in and holding on, but receiving and letting go again and again, like breathing, giving us life, love giving us life more abundantly than we could have imagined. But it is a choice. Love is a choice which makes us responsible. But it is a choice which also means it is available. It is a choice available to everyone at every moment. That, I believe, is a piece of what we affirm is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Some people are just more loving, we say. It seems to just come naturally. Sure. I understand that impression. And I can't begin to say what combination of nature and nurture more strongly calls forth this capacity to love. But I believe everyone has that capacity, that capability. When I say I can't do math, Or I just can't learn another language like some people. Everybody knows these are just excuses. When I am awed by the way our choir sings, it doesn't mean I shouldn't sing out the hymns. And with loving, I believe we can all become skillful practitioners. If you cannot sing like angels, if you cannot speak before thousands, you can give from deep within you. You can change the world. With your love. Every one of us can bring the light of love to the world, says Peter Samoyski in the chalice lighting today. Every one of us can be a blessing to the world. Yeah. Every one of us can practice this art of love. We have all the necessary tools and instruments right at hand. So today we celebrate glowing neon raspberries on the street and bright bachelor button blue and bobbing balloons buoyed by a single conscious, conscientious, concrete, constructive, courageous, recurring choice to love. As for how love makes a Subaru a Subaru, I leave that to you to figure out. <laughs> 